I'm Shannon. And I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor Podcasting. We're live. We are live. It's nice to be live and it's nice to be alive after the last two weeks we had. Yes, definitely is. Been a pretty uh, interesting experience to say the least. A couple of the fortunate ones that we were able to have mild COVID symptoms and uh, nothing real major, major. They were Pretty mild. Yes, we were truly lucky. So what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about Let's Go Brandon. <laughs> I guess she was an NBC News reporter, was doing the interview for the winner of a NASCAR race, and the crowd was chanting, F Joe Biden. And she says, oh, look, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> That's funny. I miss that. So uh, Let's Go Brandon has been trending all over the place. And apparently Joe Biden has gone to speak in Michigan, gone to speak at different locations. And people are either chanting F Joe Biden or Let's Go Let's Brandon. Let's Go Brandon. <laughs> That's funny. And he, he says he doesn't understand it because he is the most loved and voted for president ever with 81 million people love him. Yeah, well, I... Didn't vote for him. And I don't love Joe Biden. I love Brandon, though. My grandson. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, little Brando. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was just one of the interesting little videos floating around and uh, turned into its own meme and, and phrase. And as we see, though, Biden does continue to do videos and messaging on a sound stage as well. So it would... Uh, most of the presidents, what they would do is they would go to the Rose Garden or the Oval Office or any number of the rooms in the White House, and they would uh, do video messages to the American people. But they now have a sound stage, and they can change the background so the background can look out out the windows that don't exist. But the windows, it would look like you see the White House in the back, or you see the Rose Garden in the back, or whatever. Uh, now Joe Biden does his messaging from this apparent sound stage and recording studio. So it's really weekend at Biden's place. It really is. It really is. So it it's quite amazing. I don't begrudge them for having a sound stage or or anything like that because when you think about it, they would have to roll in and roll out all of this equipment around the White House, and now they don't have to do that. They can just have it already set up. However, the uh, giant teleprompters are there to make it look like Biden's giving a direct message without any notes because they don't have that little clear teleprompter to the side of him anymore. Hmm, that's interesting. It's kind of like when Clinton was in office and that movie came out, Wag the Dog. Yes. They're wagging the Biden. Only this one's uh, real. Yep. Yes, it is. Well, it's because he's not real because I don't think he knows where he's at, so they have to help him all they can. They have to. That's why they're not allowing him to take any questions. Every single time he does a public statement and people try to take questions, they usher him out of there. They try to stop people from talking. They tell the reporters to get out of the room. If they're in a room, he will not take questions. And we talk about in the past with Trump not being a transparent president. Well, I think this right here lacks transparency. Absolutely. So what kind of uh, notes did you take for this week? Well, I was just kind of gleaning through a news cycle today while I was waiting to be picked up by my Uber so I could come podcast. Your Uber daughter? My Uber daughter. And there was a little news blurb from the Texas border. And because of uh, the border crossings being up, which means that allows uh, drug lords and their delivery men to deliver a lot of drugs here recently, one that I was unaware of that was such a big thing going through the southern border is uh, fentanyl. So what I was reading today was that uh, drug seizures of fentanyl, meth, see an uptick along southwest border DEA agents are starting to record. One pill can kill a person, which I did not know. I didn't know the stuff was that strong. So, I so the synthetic fentanyl can be pretty potent. Yes, it's what's made in the drug lord um, housing or whatever they do, wherever they do it out there in Mexico. But I guess they make them like chocolate chip cookies, according to an agent, and that some have basically more chocolate chips in them than others. 
So you may take one and you may survive it, but you may take the next one, which they call a hot pill, and it will kill you. Yeah, so they oftentimes will cut fentanyl with other drugs as well. So you could have fentanyl cut with Coke. They're trying to dilute how much a person is taking because they don't want to kill the person that is buying drugs because that takes away their their money. Yeah. Yeah, it's their customer. But oftentimes they do make a product too strong and, oh, we'll just uh, fix it with the next one. Well, I guess 70,630 people have died of fentanyl overdoses in 2020. And so far, as of October 5th or whatever date this is here, 2021, 90,000 have died from fentanyl overdoses. And Right now, some Arizona communities are seeing more uh, drug overdoses than they are COVID-19 deaths. Yeah, well, fentanyl has been a pretty a pretty bad drug as well as, I mean, any drug can definitely be looked upon as a pretty bad drug. But with fentanyl, among other drugs, they've been giving Narcan to just about everybody in the community who can be safely trained because there are so many overdoses in certain areas. So it can't just be a police officer having it because they might not get to the call in time. So they are now... Uh, giving Narcan to specifically trained individuals throughout the community to try and save lives because there are that many overdoses. So scrolling to the next article from the fentanyl one was a jobs report. So jobs report was worse this quarter than expected. They only had 150,000 jobs versus the 400 and some thousand they expected. And everybody's surprised except for the financial experts because how could they not know it? They chart, they graph, they see what's going in and out of the treasury, and companies that are large pay quarterly taxes. Therefore, they know what's going into the treasury and what's going out. So this thing that they don't know is bogus. What some of the experts are saying is that they're creating a welfare state and they're perfectly content with what's going on. Well, they're also uh, funding a study right now. I cannot remember which institution is doing it, but they don't quite understand why, if you give people more welfare, essentially, why they're taking longer to get back to the job market. So they're, they're funding a study for that. Apparently, getting free money and not having to work and not having to continue to fish, so to speak, uh, it surprises people that they don't want to go back to work. Right, and that plays into uh, the female in the workforce right now as well. The, the female numbers are low. Because during the height of the COVID, uh, all the schools being closed, a lot of women had to stay home to take care of their kids and to teach them. And they're just not ready to get back into the workforce. Well, not that, not just that. But if you look at it, if you have been doing full-time teaching from home with your children and now they are constantly pulling them out of school, we say that they're back in school so women can go back to work. But they're constantly pulling kids out of school saying, you exhibit a symptom, you sneezed, you coughed. I mean, I understand the the having a temperature, that's a pretty significant one. But you looked at the wrong direction during the wind and, and got something in your eye and you started rubbing your eye and it's a little red. Oh, that might be a symptom too. Everything looks like a symptom. Now you have to quarantine at home. So who is going to stay home for the next you know, five, seven, ten days, depending on the school's policy. Sometimes it's seven days, you can test for it. and As long as you're negative, you can go back. Others is the full ten-day quarantine. So depending on the school, you're going to have constant cycles of children at home. So if you are working, you're full-time employed, and you're constantly having to call off for five, seven, ten days at a time because your kid has the sniffles, and it, it's really just allergy weather, or unfortunately, in the case of the Central California, it's fire weather. It's bad, you know, bad particles in the air. I definitely was uncertain that I had COVID until I found out I had been exposed because for weeks I had been having almost the same symptoms of, you know, coughing to clear my throat and particles in the air causing, you know, runny nose. So I can definitely see that this one symptom or two symptom, it could be COVID or it could be fire or whatnot. Anyway, I'm getting a little off track, but women now have to stay home. And you can say the man's going to stay home 
But if the woman has been staying home for however long, she's the one who's generally speaking making less money. So the one that will call off of work. And are you going to keep your job if you're constantly having to call off of work? And women are generally better teachers than men are. So That okay. is not true. I know really good male teachers. Okay. So this plays right into that. Next line right after that was Biden administration using Department of Justice, FBI, and local law enforcement to harass parents who are voicing their concern at school board meetings. Parents are asking simple questions. Why do my kids have to wear a mask? Why should my kids get vaccinated? There, These are no real threats by parents, but for whatever reason, the Biden administration has felt that it is. So I believe that board members must feel intimidated by the little old lady that's uh, going to make sure her granddaughter doesn't have to wear a mask in class. Yeah, there's been a lot of pushback for the mask wearing, the involuntary vaccinations that they want. 12-year-olds, 16-year-olds, pretty soon to be 5-year-olds, all vaccinated against COVID. And not just that, there's also a CRT, critical race theory. There is a bunch of, uh, lately it seems like a bunch of parents have found very sexually explicit books in the school library that any age group can check out. It's not just limited to senior year or 18, 17, 18 years old. It's any age group. So a, a high schooler can be between the age of 13 and 18, generally speaking. I was 13 years old when I started high school, so that roughly 13 to 18. So we have these young 13-year-olds who maybe assigned the reading or who apparently thought it might be a good you know book so they check it out and it's very sexually explicit so you have parents going to the school board reading the book hey you think this is appropriate for kids let's let's see at the school board meeting start reading the book and they get their mics cut off they're told that this is not appropriate material but yet it was given to a 13-year-old to check out from the library. So what's not appropriate about it if you can, your child can get it? It's not appropriate in an adult situation at a board meeting, but it's appropriate at a school with 13-year-olds. Yeah, so you have these individuals who are rightfully upset about some of the material that has been taught, and along with whether you want your kid to wear a mask, whether you want your kid to be vaccinated, things like that. And the school boards are calling on the FBI. In one case, they are trying to invoke the Patriot Act and label the parents domestic terrorists. Domestic terrorism for having opinions. And I understand we may yell and scream, but is that terrorism? Yelling and screaming. I'm not saying that you're getting your point across very well if you have to yell and scream. But is that terrorism? Yelling and screaming. No, it is not. And some people, that's all they know. Because they're not educated in that realm, having discussions in a public setting with administrators and educators like that. And they feel that when they raise their voice and they pump their chest out, that helps them get their point across. Yeah, so yelling and screaming, if, if that's uh, domestic terrorism, I'm going to have to say that on occasion my, my children might label me a domestic, a domestic terrorist. terrorist. Well, it, it has somebody's eyes because I also read that there's a uh, campaign app that was once used by AOC is now being pushed on teachers to log COVID conversations with parents and pupils. I found that pretty interesting as well. That we're going to be tracking people so we can have uh, what the next thing is that we're not allowed to talk about. Yeah, I thought we lived in the United States of America and not Russia for crime any sake. Or... Or China, let's have our re-education camps for parents who don't get on board with uh, the far leftist policies. Absolutely. And eventually this stuff is all going to crack and somebody's going to say, you know, I'm going to take the lead. I'm going to sit up on this bull. I'm going to grab him by the horns and we're going to make some changes. Yeah. Well, only if we uh, step up and stop getting censored. I guess if you can publicly speak and try to get your message out there because... We have this other issue where they censor specific topics or specific types of topics. At one point, women couldn't even talk about their period changes right. with right. the vaccine. They were censored for that until there were 30,000 
adverse reactions. It's Bayer system, um, vaccine adverse reactions. And finally, they said, oh, okay, maybe we won't censor this anymore. It turns out to be a real topic. And then there's talking about the origins of COVID, the lab leak theory. That was censored for at least a year. And then finally, oh, we're allowed to talk about it now. We can we can say uh, lab leak in theory. It doesn't mean it's the truth. It doesn't mean it's 100%, but we can actually just talk about it. Uh, that was censored. Talking about actual reactions to vaccines, even a person now talking about their reaction to a vaccine, they say, they being YouTube, so Google and Facebook, they say they're going to allow it because it's a personal story. However, if it causes vaccine hesitancy, it may be censored. Yeah, that's where Senator Elizabeth Warren is trying to pressure Amazon right now into taking any books off the shelf or putting them out that have anything to do with COVID. What she feels is anti-COVID rhetoric. Yeah, so we're not allowed to talk. We're not allowed to speak. So somebody taking the bull by the horns and being the one to stand up and say, we're, we're going to say what we're going to say and you're not going to stop us. All of the platforms are working together to make sure you cannot get that message out. They'll be the first ones to go when this whole thing crashes. Speaking of crashing, let's talk about Mr. Biden and his awesome economy. Since the jobs number was terrible. Oh, we can't have a crashing economy. He's so great. Well, let me show you how or tell you how great he is. So right now, to date, gas prices are up at a seven-year high. Food prices since May of 2020 have gone up 5%. California home prices were up 11.3% January 2020. And now they're up 8 more percent currently 2021. California electrical rates are up 7% 2021. And car prices are up 6.4% in 2021. So let's talk about a fantastic job that these guys are doing. Okay, so let's talk about this fantastic job that these guys are doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't it great when things cost more money? I, I don't understand the problem. Like everything, all the costs being up. I know I raised my grocery budget for a couple months ago because we kept running up against this problem of... Uh, no food, no money at the end of the month. So we had to raise our budget and pull from other, you know, other categories. And it seems like even though we raised our budget by what I considered a significant amount, it still doesn't seem like it's enough and it's going to have to go up again. Well, I think that's one of the downfalls to the Democratic-Republican process here is you have a four-year cycle where these guys want to take your money and the economy tanks, things do terrible, but they don't care. They just print more money. They charge more taxes. And then you have the other cycle where the next group comes in, just like this last four years with Mr. Trump. I don't care how you felt about the man or not. Hottest economy in the history of America. Numbers don't lie. Yet they were fully content to cheat, deceive, lie, and steal an election, whether you feel it was stolen or not, in order to put a group of people in that are terrible, terrible for the American people. And just to clarify, there's different ways something can be stolen. And one of the things that had come out was Russia collusion. That was huge over the years. They never stopped talking about the Russia collusion of Trump and his compatriots. And then it turns out that, that the dossier, all of the information that was used to secure the FISA warrants, it was all fabricated. You know how I knew it was fake right off the bat? How? Because Mr. Trump has been in the public's eye for over 40 years. He's been trying to do business with Russia, with hotels and such, for probably 35 of those 40 years. If there was a dossier on the man, the FBI, CIA, NSA, all them operatives had the real dossier on the man. So instead, we got a fake dossier delivered by a Clinton-related lawyer who dropped it off with the FBI pretending to do nice things, and I just came across this information and however else you want to say it, and it was all a lie. And so you had that constantly nagging at people when you go to vote. Do you want the guy who colluded with Russia 
he seems like he's on the take with Russia. I mean, they're telling us he's on the take with Russia. I don't think I want to vote for that guy. I'm going to vote for the other guy. And here you have another way that something can get stolen. I know Arizona released some of their audit information, and there were actually uh, duplicate ballots. Some ballots even had the same serial number, but they were for completely different people, completely different votes. But if you look at some of the duplicate ballots, it even went for Trump. There were cases of duplicate ballots for Trump, for Joe Jorgensen, and um, with that being out there, I don't care if it goes for Trump. I don't care if it go f- goes for Biden. I don't care if it goes for Joe Jorgensen. No matter what, it was wrong, and it shows a flaw in our system. I don't want anyone to get any wrongful votes. I don't care if they go for Trump. I mean, I would hope that there would be people who say, this is my vote, and one vote you know, goes forward. But if it is an erroneous vote, if it is a stolen vote, I don't want it to happen, no matter who it's for. So with that, we see it across the country of different ways votes can get taken or stolen. Well, they've been saying stuff like that for years in the Chicago area in Illinois, that the same dead people have been dead for 40 years and still voting. That's why they need to pull them off the voter rolls. That's why I think we should have a clean slate before the national election is coming up. 2024 and everybody should have to re-register 100 percent of americans so that way we can make sure that it's just a good clean record you show up you vote and and since they now have uh, vaccine passports and all of these mandatory vaccinations you actually have to show proof of who you are in order to get that vaccination which i find kind of interesting Um, But since you have to show proof of who you are to get the vaccine and to get a vaccination card, if this is the direction we're moving, it seems like we just, uh, you know, put the rubber stamp seal of approval on national ID. Yeah, there you go. It's only a logical step. I agree with it. I, I think they should do like Iraq did when we first invaded and they had their first election where they went in and voted and they put the indelible ink on their finger. Wonder how many people got their fingers chopped off and they went in and revoted. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to revote, yeah. So another thing on the the economy and who's who's doing what, who's doing well, who's not doing so well, the areas we need to improve, things like that. Um, we had the government shutdown in early twenty twenty, early mid twenty twenty, where every business that was considered non essential was shut down. And then each state could kind of weave their own deciding factor on what is truly needed and what is, you know, non-essential. And we saw Costco, Walmart, Target, and many similarly situated large businesses, Amazon, as deemed essential. And they were allowed to stay up and running and stay in business. And a lot of smaller and mom-and-pop type businesses were shut down, and they were not allowed to operate. Um, they came out with PPP loans and other ways to help with the problems that they caused because they shut them down. They shut these businesses down, so it was a government-created problem because they didn't give them the opportunity to op- operate safely, operate at 25% capacity at you know, some points. That's what different businesses were allowed to do. An example would be closing down furniture stores. They said furniture was non-essential, so they shut down furniture stores, but they allowed Amazon, Costco, Target, Walmart, all of these big conglomerates to sell furniture. So they allowed, our government allowed the billionaires and millionaires to keep making all of that money while shutting down the little guy. But then they say, oh, the little guy can't get ahead. We need to tax these these big old businesses some more. Well, they create, again, they created the the problem. problem. They say they have the solution. And they now have the solution. They created these big businesses. They created the allowing of them to have uh, a captive market, literally captive in our homes. And if you wanted, oh, it turns out I've been needing to get a bed and now that I have to sleep here every night and I'm not traveling for work anymore, I really noticed that my, my bed has gone out, but I'm not allowed to get a new bed. 
they, they've decided furniture stores can't sell me a new bed. Oh, wait, I ended up at Lowe's and I found a bed in a bag. So now, now I'm allowed to have one because Lowe's remained open. Home Depot remained open. Uh, they allowed homes to continue to be built. I, I know we all need housing. I can see that as a, a necessity. But building new homes when there's homes on the market or there's open apartment complexes, like why didn't they limit the exact number of need for homes to be built? Great questions. They just allowed the big businesses like Bonadelli, who was the one that went down for his scandal in the 90s of paying off the the council people so he can build and make money. Hmm, sound Bonadelli is still really big in the Central Valley, so it doesn't seem like it totally harmed them. And I'm in a Bonadelli home. I, I didn't realize the Bonadelli connection until after we purchased the home and I was looking them up and I found... All right, Bonadelli's are Fresno. It was Bonadelli and Wathen, I think, that were the major home builders in Fresno for probably 75 years. And they're here... And it's hard to break in. They get all the special rezoning. In fact, just near my house, they rezoned what was supposed to be a public park into single-family homes. So uh, they're, they're still doing it. They're still paying the councilmen, even with all of their uh, nice little donations. And they're allowed to rezone parks, public areas, public spaces, to be money makers for these home kind of like congressmen and senators that stay in office for 50 years never hold a job in their life yet they walk away from their multimillionaires. yeah they seem to even you can look and say well they make 170 something thousand 170 something thousand dollars a year so of course they're gonna if they invest well they can you know, make a name for themselves and have millions, except they've often complained about having to keep two different homes in two different locations, Washington, D.C. being extra expensive. Uh, the ones from California, again, they have some of the highest costs of living expenses, and yet they were still able to put away more money than the rest of their counterparts living in cheaper locales. And that's 170 some thousand gross. That doesn't account for after expenses and their tax structure that they set up. For themselves, they get all these special little write-offs. Yep, the one gentleman that was the senator from Nevada, Harry Reid, lived in a condo or apartment complex, excuse me, hotel complex in D.C. the entire time he was back there that cost more than he made a month. Who was putting him up in that place? Yep, giving special deals for special consideration. So along with um, what the little guy can't do without their vaccine passport, in Los Angeles, and I think San Francisco's following suit, but in Los Angeles, they are blocking people from patronizing places without proof of vaccination. You cannot go to gyms, restaurants, other locations, it looks like you may still be able to get some food from the grocery store, but that's about it. And otherwise, you are blocked from going places. Same in New York. New York started doing this, too, where you have to have your vaccine paperwork in order to, to eat at a restaurant or go to the gym. One thing that's been noted is there is major vaccine hesitancy in minority populations specifically the African-American population. If you look at our government's history with experimenting on people with vaccinations or non-vaccinations like in the, the case Tuskegee Airmen. of the Tuskegee Project, which was uh, allowing syphilis to go unchecked in the African-American male and not informing them that they actually had syphilis. They would tell them they had bad blood or something like that. And they kept them in the dark about their status and they didn't just keep them in the dark about their status if a person from the study went to a regular doctor and outside of the study and they had the potential to be told by that doctor that you have unchecked syphilis by the way here's some penicillin and I can cure it if they went to an outside doctor the government contacted the doctor and told them not to tell the patient that they had uh, syphilis so they can continue to see what would happen 
to them. They actively stopped the African-American population from seeking outside medical care and getting cured because the cure for syphilis is penicillin. And there was a cure. At, at first there was not, but then they created the cure. And they wouldn't give it to them. They wouldn't tell them. And they actively stopped other doctors from telling them about this. And it was a news organization breaking the story to finally have them stop because they weren't going to stop. And we wonder why everybody's so hesitant to take this current vaccine, even though we've taken them for polio and for typhoid and for malaria. Um, There's a real hesitancy with this one because they're really pushing this one and they're pushing the boundaries of the things they're forcing people to do, which is un-American. So now we have this population that is extraordinarily vaccine hesitant. I think they said in New York, something like 70% of the African-American population is not vaccinated. So it is de facto turning into a way to stop minority populations from being allowed out in public. Hadn't looked at it that way. That's amazing. Yeah, so we now have an, an, a government-sanctioned way that we stop minority people from going to restaurants, from going to gyms, from going to nail salons, hair salons, you name it, except for picking up groceries, you cannot go there. And I think you can also visit the doctor, but some doctor's offices are actually dropping patients who are not vaccinated. So getting a doctor's visit is also going to be difficult. That's why I was surprised I was looking at some Facebook pictures of a little party that went on at Catalina Island this weekend on the West End for all the people that want to play uh, Pirates and Winches. And I was surprised that uh, L.A. County has a strict mask rule, yet I saw hundreds of people partying on the island and on their boats, and I didn't see one person masked up, not one. Not that I'm in favor or not in favor of masking. Um, Everybody around me knows how I feel about them, but I just found it interesting that I didn't see anybody masked up. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. I wasn't aware of that one. But jumping back, just just for one more thing, just one more thing on it, with regarding African-American hesitancy, So on The View, Joy Bear said that black people shouldn't be hesitant of vaccine because white people were the experiment. So if you look at the way she phrased that, us, anyone who got the vaccine was experimented on by that opinion. I think there's something wrong with these people upstairs. I think Joy Behar's out there in left field too. On the spending front, Biden's spending plan would strip $43 billion in funding to historically black colleges and universities, which Trump actually made sure was increased during his presidency. So now they're they're stripping, even though the bills are very large, large, some of the largest spending bills we've seen in modern history, doesn't stop us from being something like $21 trillion in debt already, but they're now stripping money from historically black colleges. We know Biden does have a history of being anti-black. Extraordinarily racist, yet he tries to pretend that that just didn't exist or he's a changed person. I'm not exactly sure how they're spending it today, but he is a very racist person, has made extraordinarily racist statements. And even when people are quoted, Biden quotes, they do not realize that that is what he said. No, because they try to put that on somebody else and not on him. So um, we have domestic terrorists, I mean, uh, parents who are looking to make sure their children get a quality education. And we have uh, Tim Young, I'm going to quote him here, perhaps if parents looted targets and liquor stores, Instead of showing up to voice their concerns at school board meetings, the Biden administration wouldn't label them domestic terrorists. Oh, very good point. What happened to all the looting and stuff around the nation when it was all okay and people were dying, multi-million dollar businesses were burning, and that was okay. But don't go to a school board meeting and tell the administrator that you don't want little Johnny to wear a mask nor get a vaccine. Yeah, then you're a terrorist. 
And they, they are trying to work the law right now in California that children can go do things without parental consent. So it's a little bit at a time. And now I think it's children as young as 11 can get drugs to help them change their sex before the, the surgery. So they can get, I think they're called blockers or something else, the testosterone. And and now children as young as 11 can get that from a doctor without having to tell the parent that it's being prescribed. And they're not even allowed to get proper billing for it in their insurance, insurance companies cannot say what it is that they are billing for, which is another problem in and of itself because insurance companies are notorious for billing, overbilling the patients and, and their percentages and getting a bunch of stuff into the medical bills that they they shouldn't put in there because it didn't they didn't actually treat the patient with that. And now they're going to allow the treatment of children, not tell the parents, and you just have to pay and you have to assume that they're doing it correctly. So when did we go so wrong? When did it become okay for the government to dictate 100% policy for your kids? Well, there are some people out there that believe that parents are terrible and shouldn't be allowed to play a role in their children's lives. So would that be the lady that invented Planned Parenthood? But she had a whole different mindset. She thought black women... And black men were bad parents. That's why she was open about abortion, because she felt it was population control for one race. And that is why the majority of Planned Parenthoods are in the locations that service majority or minority populations. That's why I don't get into that one way or another. What, what a woman does with her body is darn sure none of my business. Everything within reason, though. And in moderation, you don't use it as monthly birth control. just blows me away that we're incrementally letting our government take over. It goes back to what I've been saying the last few months. Is or was America ever the greatest country in the world? If you take the sum total of the parts, we're not bad. We're better than most. But you look at what we did to blacks. You look at what we did to Indians. You look at what we've done to Hispanics. You look at what we did to Chinese. You look at what we did to the Koreans when we brought them over here. You look at what we did to the Italians, bringing them into New York, and the Germans, you know, Volga Germans and regular Germans. I mean, this this country is a mess. Yeah, and it's not just what we did do. It's also what we didn't do. And in some cases during World War II, we would not allow in the Jewish population. We were stopping a lot of immigration. So stopping the immigration or not allowing something is also us doing something because we allowed in other populations, but not the Jewish population, which was being exterminated during World War II. And in fact, the United States, along with many other countries, was a party to allowing the ger- top German officials who perpetrated World War II, who perpetrated the extermination of the Jewish people, who perpetrated putting all kinds of science experiments together and, and you know, just taking anyone and everyone they deemed unfit and, and experimenting on them. The United States was party to giving some of those people new identity documents and allowing them to come into the United States. And so for many years, we were hiding the people who perpetrated mass genocide. And now we occasionally hear, through the 90s we heard it and into the 2000s, and now a lot of people are dying off so you don't hear it as frequently, but you hear about, oh, we found this war criminal and they were hiding out in San Francisco, or we found this war criminal and they were hiding out in insert other country here. But a lot of times they were there under their own name. Maybe a woman changed her name during marriage so it was a little bit different, but we allowed these people to come in we openly hid them, and I say openly, it was like an open secret in, in government channels, but we hid them, and then when it started to look bad for the United States in the 90s, they started sending them off to be tried as war criminals. Right, and I believe a lot of them ended up in Brazil, 
working as engineers and stuff for, I believe, Embraer. There's definite um, negative things that have happened. And I don't think that we are the best country anymore. Like I used to think we were, oh, we're, we're perfect. We've gone past that, that point. We don't do bad things anymore. But if you look at it, we are still doing bad things. We're calling it another name. We're, we're saying that it's okay because, or this time we're on the right side of history due to, insert whatever reason. Well, I'm not a statistician, but I'd like to go back to America and, and Indian tribes because I know they fought each other over the years. So obviously it was Indian on Indian crime, so to speak. A, a number I had heard from another podcaster was there was like 60 million Indians across America when the U.S. started systematically slaughtering them. And they did it through, the where there were no buffalo, according to a guy that I spoke with in North America. They were North American bison. They said they systematically started killing off their food source, which was they ended up slaughtering over 50 million bison. So I guess uh, there's pictures somewhere of some beautiful bison absolutely roaming this country and a lot of Indian folks. And it was, uh, I think, a, a general of ours or one of our presidents that systematically helped slaughter them. Yeah, if you look at at what we've done in this country. I was actually just reading a book on what happened after slavery to uh, the black population in Southern. It happened in many Southern states. Think Alabama was a big one, but also in Tennessee, Georgia, and those areas. So we have the Emancipation Proclamation, and now we have freed, you know, the slaves and and obviously that wasn't conveyed into Texas, I think, until two years after it was actually signed. And so that's why you end up having uh, Juneteenth being when the black population actually fully learned of what was supposed to be their rights. But then you have these other southern states, and I don't know if it happened in other states too. The book that I was reading centered in that area of the country, which they started arresting black men and women for various crimes that oftentimes they wouldn't arrest a white person for. They would say public drunkenness, even if they weren't drunk, or they would say that they stole something when when they didn't. All you had to do was sign an affidavit saying, yeah, I saw him steal, so you can lie and sign an affidavit. And if it was a white person versus a black person, the black person was going to get tried and convicted. Sometimes they would even convince them to plead guilty because they would get a lesser sentence. Don't you just want to be get this over with now? So they would do that as well. And oftentimes many of these individuals that were arrested were also illiterate. So they were signing on a dotted line that they really did not understand. So then they would be convicted. They would get you know a $5 fine, a $2 fine, a $10 fine, whatever it is. They, but they would start adding up court costs. So it wasn't just a fine, it was also court costs. Can you pay that? Oh, well, you're going to jail. Oh, this jail sublets to the community for hard labor. So it could be working in the mines, working on a farm, picking cotton or other fruits, vegetables, whatever's being being made. It's not just cotton, but cotton was a really big industry out there for a while. And so they would get sentenced in order to work off this debt that they were too poor to pay that became exorbitant, sometimes $75 or more back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So they would work off this debt, but then the farmer or the uh, whoever was in charge of that particular labor group would say, oh, well, I gave you extra food, I gave you clothing, I gave you shoes, I housed you, and they would start adding fees for this. (laughs) Oh, you saw a doctor, here's another fee. So your three months of hard labor or your three months of labor turned into six, turned into nine, turned into 12, in some cases turned into years. And then if you say, okay, I'm all done, thank you, and they would say, yep, you're all done, you've worked off your debt, and they start walking away, the the owner of the farm would go swear out another warrant because that person walked off with shoes that they didn't pay for or walked off with clothes or had an apple or whatever the case may be. Get them rearrested, and now they're doing more hard labor, and a lot of people ended up dying. They would just put them in a grave and start again. And when our federal government started investigating this, a lot of times they would get told by 
the locals, it's not happening. Who swore this out to you? And then they would go and kill the person who swore it out in an affidavit or to the to the grand jury. So it took years and all the way up until, in some cases, World War Two, for it to quit happening. Yes, that happened in our country. So we, the American population, can say that it ended, you know, slavery ended in 1865, but we found slavery in a new name. Absolutely, and I believe that there is a religious cult or sect here in America that didn't recognize black folks in their church until the 90s, 1990s that is, not 1890s. Wow, and I, and I know I, I went into the military. I believe in this country. I believe in what we stand for, but I also believe that what is perpetrated which isn't what we stand for, is still happening, still happening across the United States. And we end up in this situation where we're fighting for what we believe in and trying to be on the side for what we believe in. But the things that we don't believe in are still being perpetrated by the the highest members of our government, by state governments, you know, in the United States as well. And I don't know what the answer is. But I do know that we don't get it right 100% of the time. No, and that's what I was just going to say. Hopefully it's a small percentage. Hopefully 95 98% of the country is phenomenal. And we just see the 2% or 5% because that's all the media hypes on over and over and over and over. Because I know you have like in Chinatown in the Bay Area and probably locations here in the Central Valley as well where people bring over, they sneak humans, human trafficking over to America, and they make them do exactly what you just talked about, which is they make them work for them to pay off this imaginary debt that the debt never goes away. It may have started out as a $5,000 airplane flight and some food, and by the time these poor women and children get released, if they ever do, they've paid back tenfold that. Yes, human trafficking is very real, and it does still happen individually sanctioned, culturally sanctioned, unacceptable. Is our government playing a role in it? I do know that they tried to fight human trafficking. So you can say like that's a a good area of our government trying to fight this human trafficking. But if we're not going at it full force and we, we allow it to happen in the sense that we don't really go after the people who do it, where are we as a, as a country? Where are we as a country or society? We're in uh, kind of bad shape. I do believe that we can we can turn it around. We can stop the things that are bad, go after the things that are good, and, and make sure that it happens more often. One of the things I don't think we should be doing is trying to pull anyone else down or push anyone else up. We, we should have a, a point where we all start and get lifted to start from equality. It, it might not end up being equality of outcome because some people take things and they can turn a dollar into a billion dollars. And somebody like me, you know, I'm, I'm not that person. My risk tolerance is much lower. So we can say that we can all at least start from that same rung on the ladder. So everybody has the same, actually really has the same opportunity. We should make sure that that is our goal, is for everyone to have the same opportunity. And in order to make that happen, it's going to look different for all different people. If you're in a very posh area... You have higher property taxes, maybe paying into the school so you can get those extra computers or have the the yard equipment or all of the sports that you want. That is great. And if you live in an area where they don't have as high of property taxes that people can't pay that added expense, we should be shifting our, our overall tax dollars to be increased at those schools that don't have the same opportunity so we can lift others up. Just because we all pay taxes doesn't mean that it's going to be equally divided amongst every single school. Some are going to need more money, and some are going to need less money. Some parents are better off so they can you know, get their kid the extras, whereas some parents can't afford the extras. So we should be lifting up people to have the same opportunity but it's not going to look exactly the same across the board. That's fair enough. Fair deal. I like it. When do we start? Right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, if you look at, look at our government, so look at the California government and we have a two year 
cycles with the assemblies and and they work and put a bunch of bills on the governor's desk towards the most of them hit towards the end of uh, September and into October. And the governor has a set amount of time to either um, sign it or veto it. So for this year, the government or sorry, the governor has been on a signing spree which happens this time of year because this is when all the bills are due on his desk and he has until October 10th to sign or veto any bill on his desk. So he has signed 125 bills that I could find just recently within the last couple of months. And 115 of them were signed since September 30th. So we are now at October 8th. So 115 were signed in the last nine days. He's returned 18 bills that we could see, but in the two-year term, if you're looking at the two-year term cycle, so 2020 was considered a very light year for our governor. So Cal Matters, uh, who tracks these numbers, in 2020 said we saw 428 bills passed for 2020 compared to 1,042 in 2019, 1,217 in 2018. We have so many bills, and they're all rushed in, usually close to the end of their cycle, which is bills should be on the desk by September 10th, need to be signed or vetoed by October 10th. So he has 30 days with sometimes up to 1,000 bills. Whatever governor, go back, you know, to each governor that we just rush in all of these things, they all get passed, and the governor's just furiously sign, sign, you know, kickback, sign, sign, kickback. And that's the way we run California. That's the way they run most states. The interesting thing is I always call them, uh, not the undereducated, but uh, the liberal arts senators, congressmen, assemblymen, assemblywomen. I think we need to change the criteria for running for these offices. I think they need to actually have some skin in the game. So one of the criteria that should be added is, have you ever run a business? If you ran a business, did you run it successfully? Or did you run it into the ground? Because you have people making decisions and spending money that can't even spend their own money. They have no idea. They run off of debt themselves, so then everybody else running off of debt just seems like a no-brainer. And that seems to be the way we're running the entire country, state by state by state. I would like to know out of the 50 states and how many communities there are that run their own paper, how many communities are actually solvent and how many are actually broke, really legitimately broke and running off of credit. Well, in California, we've seen several cities over time file for bankruptcy because they're running, running a debt system. And eventually it catches up, which is something that we're looking at right now here in the United States, is the federal government is again looking at raising the debt ceiling because we're going to hit that number again. Oh, no. And we run into this every every year or every so many months, depending on how long they they raise the debt ceiling for. The last time they suspended it, I think it was for about two years now we're looking at it again. Oh, we need to be able to go into more than $21 trillion in debt. That's not enough. Let's raise the debt ceiling again. And then we say, oh, the military won't get their money. The The disabled veterans aren't going to get their medical care and their money because it could be backburnered if we don't if we don't raise the debt ceiling. Okay, well, you're looking at passing a $3.5 trillion bill if you really cared about the veterans and the military You'd be concentrating on, on them instead. They would be the first five to ten line items mm-hmm. on that. But instead, we're like, let's raise the debt ceiling so we can spend all of this money even more. Let's do it again. Let's let's print off some more bills. Oh, we need another debt ceiling. We don't need to raise the debt ceiling. We need to have people. They need to be physically responsible. And they need to be working to get the U.S. into a better position. We should not be running every year as if the debt is a good thing and should only go higher. That's why term limits and changing the job requirements, I think, are two good key bullet points. You should not be in office for 40 years making the same decisions year after year after year because, why? You've never run a business. You've never owned a business. I mean, you don't have to run a business. Can you run a household? 
Because if you run your household like this, you're going to go broke. Eventually, you're going to have to file for bankruptcy. Yes. And that's something that they're talking about now is we're going to potentially have to file for bankruptcy. Well, we've been running it just like a bad household, you know, with all the debt. You've got so many payments that you can't cover your monthly your monthly debt. You know what? Maybe it's time that we change something. We shouldn't keep doing the same thing because if we do what we've always done, we're going to get what we've always got. Well, they keep doing it because it doesn't affect them because they still get their pensions, they still get their medical, they still become lobbyists themselves, and they make millions of dollars lobbying. So there's no consequence for their actions. There's zero consequence for what they've done to us. Well, how are you feeling? Because I'm sure feeling much better than I have the last two weeks. So I'm feeling pretty good. I don't have my cough. I don't have the runny nose like I had. I still seem to be more fatigued than I have been. So that that one there being fatigued is still present. I understand that one will last for weeks and weeks. Yeah, and I've also noticed I usually wear a watch that has my oxygen level and it has my heart rate. My normal resting heart rate is usually somewhere in the mid-60s to low-70s, depending on, you know, the hour and whatnot. And I've noticed that when I should have a resting heart rate, my heart rate is going 100 beats per minute or more. So I've noticed that I seem to still be recovering in that area, too. I've noticed that the last couple weeks, too, is my heart rate's been a little higher than normal or has stayed at a steady state higher longer because generally mine will rack up around 100 beats a minute after I drink four or five cups of coffee, and it'll go down in the 70s and 80s, but now even without drinking coffee, it's it's been racking in the 80s to 100s. Yeah, mine has been high enough that it's saying that I'm getting some pretty good exercise yeah. <laughs> when I'm sitting and not exercising. So you don't have to so. run another lap because you're getting a perfect amount of exercise. Well, same for me. I feel a little fatigued. I feel better. Still got a touch of a sore throat. But. So one of the things that I have found interesting switching gears to back to schools is all of the schools that have gone nut free. And so you see the the signs on the classroom doors. This is a nut free zone. Um, if they have any other food allergies, they'll, you know, the, a classroom may have a specific uh, sign for their door. OK, this this classroom is also X, Y, Z free. Or they'll let the the teacher know that the kid cannot ingest a specific thing. Uh, We've been very blessed. We haven't seen very many allergies in our our house. Uh, My youngest daughter, though, has had kind of a ketchup allergy over over a long period of time. If she ends up with ketchup or a tomato-based item on her skin for... A li- you know, a little period of time. So if she's eating and it's taking her a while to eat, and then when she wipes off her face, if she doesn't get all of the ketchup off her face, she can break out in that area. So it'll get, like, little red blotches and stuff. But as long as she eats it and then wipes her face, wipes it off, she doesn't have this reaction. So we've seen that and never really been worried. Her breathing, no problems there. So we've never really been worried about it. So last night we're eating dinner and we've been trying some new recipes and she says, mom, my lip hurts. And I'm like, okay, this is a new recipe. Quit trying to get out of eating new food. You know, that's, that's my thought is that she's just trying to get out of eating. Cause sometimes she'll say, oh, I'm full. And then we'll clean up dinner, uh, all the plates and stuff. And then all of a sudden she's hungry again when she doesn't want to eat whatever we've given her. And so I just said, you know, just eat. I don't need your you complaining. We'll give you some chapstick, you know, after dinner. And so I finish up dinner, and we have a soccer game to go to because the youngest is also playing soccer. So I, I leave the dinner table early, and I'm getting everything ready, looking for, you know, making sure we have all of the, the shorts, the shirt, the all the gear. And then my husband calls to me and says, honey, her lip's swollen. And so I go down and I'm looking at her and sure enough, it is red, swollen, turning blistery. 
And I realize we have a real problem here. And so I go up and I get some Benadryl and I start looking online at at, uh, whether or not we should take her into an urgent care and give her the Benadryl. And it says you can put, you know, medication on it. Plus you can put ice on it and see if that helps. So I'm asking her, how's her breathing? Can she breathe? Does she feel like, you know, she can't? She's having trouble. She said she's not struggling. So then we start doing all the topical stuff and putting ice. And eventually it does start to to go down. And it was to cashews. We're pretty certain it was to cashews. That seemed to be the only ingestion difference of this meal. And now I'm looking at it from the standpoint of I've, I've always thought like we're being a little too careful in the classrooms or for whole schools to go nut free if it's only one kid in one area, and now I'm realizing just how significant it can be and how out of nowhere it can hit someone. Cause How'd that make you feel? Very nervous. Absolutely. I was very nervous, worried that we now, you know, she's going to have breathing issues. We don't have an EpiPen here. We've never had an EpiPen. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what the next step is other than getting her to an urgent care or to an ER. But online, I realized Dr. Google doesn't always give you all the answers, but it said, you know, do Benadryl, do a topical treatment, do some ice. And if you see improvement, as long as you're not having breathing trouble, you're good. And so we ended up being good and her, the swelling went down by the end of the evening. But I now have a newfound respect for the nut-free zones and not trying to slip in. Well, my kid likes Reese's peanut butter cups as their treat. You know what? Your kid can wait till they get home. Absolutely. Because there may be an opportunity for the kid that has the allergy to take a bite of that thing and bang. Or they're sharing a table and a, a piece of it falls off into the kid's plate. Kids turn constantly. I don't know if you've ever watched a group of kids eating but they're turning around in their seats they're reaching over they're dropping crumbs they're picking stuff up and getting in and out of their seats and it's amazing just how much that food gets everywhere not just at your kids plate oh yeah i had two daughters and four grandkids i've seen it all you know you'd think you'd stay home for 10 days under quarantine and that it would be awesome just being home When you're actually sick, it sucks. (laughs) Absolutely. It it sucks. Getting out of the house is the best thing ever. Yeah, it's definitely not fun being stuck at home. Well, it's fun for a few days, unless you're super sick, then that's definitely not fun. But for a few days, it's okay. But if you have to take care of kids or figure out how you can take care of your children without getting them sick too if you're the one quarantining or if they're the ones sick how you can take care of them and and you not get sick it's amazing to think about how many times a day you touch the same utensils or the kids run to grab your hairbrush or you you touch the soap dispenser right the you pump it once or twice you're each touching the top and you don't clean your hands until after you've touched the top of it, so then you hope that everything that's passed gets killed by the soap <laughs> that you just pumped into your hands. That's why at our hangar facility, I had um, all touchless dispensers put in. That way, nobody had to touch anything when they were in the bathroom. Very smart. Yes. So, looking at um, let's see. Well, as you noted earlier, the September jobs numbers were the worst of the year. It's a pretty worrying situation. It is, and I don't understand why they act so surprised. They knew they were putting guys in office that don't know how to run an economy. All they knew how to do is tax and spend. You add COVID, you add free money, you add the state of the world economy, and it's not surprising. It's like, I'm surprised they had that many job openings. Well, one thing that I will say with all of the tax and spend, and they talk about people needing to pay their fair share. They never really say what their fair share is, but it turns into it's never enough. They're taxing new groups, finding new ways to tax, saying that they don't want Amazon shouldn't pay zero taxes, but they're the ones who wrote the law for Amazon to have corporate carryovers and reinvestments to not take that money out and realize the gain. So if you're saying that people shouldn't be paying zero, who's to blame? 
Congress, and you can say that it was a Democrat Congress. You can say that it was a Republican Congress. Um, we've had all different sorts of tax and spend plans over the years, and it never seems to be enough. We always need to to take more of somebody something. Yeah, it appears to be all the senior senators and congressmen because the junior guys don't get to pass anything. Their right. legislation is very minimal, so it's all the old guys that are passing these yeah. things. Yep, so we end up in a situation where they're the ones making the laws and then decrying the fact that they made the laws or their compatriots made the laws, even though it takes somewhere between 50 and 60 of them to pass, depending on how they were uh, getting it through. And then it's never enough money, never enough taxes. We need to, you know, somehow get, get more out of people. And then we just raise how much money we're going to spend. And then again, it's never enough. So even if they raised it to what they think is enough, they would raise their spending anyway, and we would still be in a debt problem, crisis, whatever you want to call it. And we would just wash, rinse, repeat. They would still be saying it even if they got more money. You are correct, and that's what they've been saying for about the last 50 years. Wash, rinse, repeat. Yep, it will never be enough. But, you know... When you're making finger paintings, like a certain Biden son, and you're selling them for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, when you swore that it would all be blind auctioning and he would have no idea who was even purchasing his artwork, but then he does a meet and greet with the artist to see who's purchasing, I guess that turned out not to be quite so truthful that he wouldn't know who was buying it. But now he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not, who knows when he's going to reach the millions with the number of paintings that he's selling for his amazing artwork for someone who's never been involved in art before. They are so fake. Yep. So now now we have another son of a, a president that for some reason we are okay with a Biden doing this but if one of the Trump children did this, we'd be having a field day. Like, we would be absolutely having a field day with it. So it just matters, D or R, who can do it. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.